Welcome to Roots Radio, a podcast about living with ALS. We are your hosts, Lenny and Jesse. Lenny was diagnosed with ALS in 2019. Jesse, myself, I'm a social worker at the ALS Association. Together, we take a deep dive into the lives of those incredible individuals living with ALS, as well as those in the community advocating for those families who've been touched by ALS in some way. Roots Radio was inspired by Lenny's desire to help others who are living with ALS like he is. Out of his desire, Roots Radio was born. The inspiration for our title, Roots Radio, draws meaning from the belief that the roots of who we are in this world is and always will be a part of who we are, especially in the face of ALS. The roots of our experiences in the world, the companionship we seek, the love that we feel, and the reflection of what we have meant to others, these are the roots that will continue to nourish our community despite the ever-changing nature of ALS. To quote our friend Kyle Mullins, ALS is a club that we never wanted to be a part of, but thank God there is a club. True. Thanks, Jesse. That, uh, that, that's a good quote from Kyle. I remember us doing the interview with him, and uh, it's something that has stuck with me and obviously stuck with, with both of us. Yeah. And uh, welcome, Mary. Today we are chatting with Mary Barkett. Mary is a pal. That's a person living with ALS. But more importantly, Mary is a good friend and advocate for the ALS community. And on the interesting side, her own personal interest, she's also a political organizer in her professional life. And within those circles, interestingly enough, Mary is known as Mother Mary, mm. a systems girl, and of course the one that I, I find is most enchanting, which is old campaign broad. Correct. So I think, <laughs> I think that's great. And uh, Mary, welcome to Roots Radio. Oh, thank you, Lenny and and Jesse. I'm very happy to be here today to share with our community because that quote is correct. Thank God there is a club, and I wouldn't get through a day without it. And we are so grateful you're here, Mary. I know you're a busy lady, and um, it's so close. <laughs> You are, you are. I love every time I talk to Mary, her phones are always are going off the hook. So you're always a busy person. So we're really, really grateful that you could carve out some time to chat with us today. Um, and, you know, for those of you unable to see Mary, because, you know, this is an audio thing, um, you know, Mary is a, she's a petite gal. You're, you're, a, how tall are you, Mary? Uh well, at this point, five one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> today, today we're feeling we're we're five one. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, you size means nothing. Um, Mary is a mighty force, and um, I, I wanted to share this story with you. And I don't think I've shared it with you in in person. But when I first met you. Um, Mary came to, to ALS clinic at Lehigh Valley and I think you were there with your aunt. Yes. And, um, so the first time I met you was as I was walking into the room and I was sitting down and chatting with you guys. And 
Um, I'm always a little nervous when I meet new, new, um, pals. It's just, you know, you're walking in on a very intimate, stressful, emotional experience. So, um, I know I was a little bit nervous and, um, I think I was talking, I, I was talking about the ALS association and just sort of doing my normal spiel about who I am and who we are and how we can help and things. And, um, I was looking, I think I was looking at your aunt instead of you. I was looking at her talking and not you. And you paused me and you said, I'm right here. Oh. And we, and we made eye contact and I was like, Oh yes, I'm sorry. Like, but I, I think because I was nervous and I was chatting and I was looking at her and I, I like wasn't making eye contact with you. And it was so powerful and I've never forgotten it. Um, and it, it's taught me, I mean, that one little mini exchange, I don't even know if you remember it. I um, didn't honestly. Yeah. But that's the cut, but that's how, uh, that's how I think, um, people like you, people like Lenny don't even aware sometimes, aren't even aware sometimes of the, the monumental shifts impacts you have on folks, you know? And it was so helpful for me because it was, um, you know, reminding me that like this conversation eye to eye right here in this room is the most important thing. Um, not rambling off stats about something, you know? Um, so, well, yeah, you, I'll never forget it. I've never forgotten it. And, um, I just, uh, we're really grateful to have you here today. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. You know, being a small person, you sort of always have to make yourself known anyway. You know, um, there's sort of a presumption of size that people have. And, uh, you know, that's just the way, it, you know, I've been over the years. <laughs> yeah. That's why I have some of the nicknames. I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh for sure, for yeah. sure. But I am very appreciative of that and the fact that that might have had an impact on you the way it did. Oh, for it sure. Totally did. Because, yeah. Because we, we always need to remember to not be just ALS. We really need to be present in our lives because this is our life whatever part of it we're in and as long as we can. So yeah, all good. All yeah. Good. It was a beautiful reminder for me of, um, you know, I think sometimes we can talk around like mm -hmm. around a topic or around a subject, but not be fully present with, with, with you you know, with the folks who are, um, this impacts the most. And so it was a really, it was a beautiful reminder and it was done with the utmost, like, um, like just dignity and class. Like it wasn't rude at all. Like it just was like, here I am. I'm right here. Yeah. You know, talk to me. Um, so anyway, yeah, it will always I be understand. with me. I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. I worked for years with the hearing impaired and it's the same issue, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. So 
I get it. I get it. Yeah. It, that's the first I heard of that story. And I could see with your career as a political organizer and working with political organizations and invariably meeting a lot of people that like to hear themselves talk. I would imagine that that forthrightness on your part is 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 a pretty good trait to have when you're trying to share the room or share your thought with somebody or get right. somebody's attention. Whether it's you know be heard. exactly be heard. and you know the same thing of uh, you know you're hearing me but you're not listening and, and things like that that. Uh, play out in our everyday life because it just makes our interaction with people better but but yeah i think that's uh that's probably good advice coming from an old campaign broad (laughs) (laughs) so along those lines barry why don't you share with us your history as a political organizer and and how this you know came to be your your passion your 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 way to to basically you know big part of your life Spend my time, right? Yeah, and I didn't anticipate it many years ago. I'm a science girl. My degree is actually biology, but inherent in me, and I thought about it. Um, My grandfather, you know, Poland, Ellis Island, he served in World War I, loved America, loved this country. That was always very impressed on us. You know, my father served in World War II. And, you know, as kids, I grew up comfortably. However, we did not have a lot of stuff. But what my father did was pop us in the car on a Friday and anywhere in a six-hour radius was fair game. And... We went to historical monuments, battlefields, you know, things that were very important to our country. And, you know, even when the adults would be sitting around the table talking about such matters, I kind of hang in the corner listening. And I didn't even know what they were talking about 50% of the time. But it, I'm going to use the word organic a lot because everything that happened to take me into the political realm ended up being very organic. It was not pre-planned. It was not a chosen career. It was not any of that. I had gone, you know, in the science direction and, uh, you know, but here I ended up and this is what I ended ended up being and doing. So it was sort of interesting in that respect, but I can see how I was inclined to it. It was just a matter of being raised to love our country and to always, you know, and I'm a doer. So if you love something, you're going to do something. And that's, you know, that's the bottom line, honestly. So what would you say you're a political organizer? What what is that actually? I mean, is that what? Uh, ex- explain that to to be as well our audience. I worn so many hats. It's sort of an umbrella way of saying many of the things that I've done. I've 
organized committees. I've run campaigns statewide, congressional, down all the way down to local, which is very important, by the way. That's my message. That's my only political message of the day, I promise. But um, but I ended up, um, I've had a lot of titles in the realm of what I've done. And once again, all of this happened organically over the years. I've been a committee person um, for my party for 44 years. And... Um, Little by little, only because I think I had certain capacities to do things. I was good as an organizer. I was good at organizing structures of things, whether it was a campaign or volunteers or completing a project. Or I would get a call from a campaign. We need this kind of event in two days. Can you put it together we're coming into town. I just seem to have that ability. And that's what carried me forward. And I ended up over the years with X amount of titles, but not by design. It was sort of just something, you know, you walk the path and then things would happen. So, you know, I've been president statewide of Republican women you know, I've been part of our state committee. I'm an officer on state committee yet right now, hanging in with ALS. And they have been so wonderful, wonderful in appreciating that fact and appreciating that I am still very viable to them, for which I'm very grateful. But I've worked on any number of campaigns and I've worked from presidential, like I said, all the way down in, you know, ground game. So I'm a stats girl. I work with, I'm, I'm good at organizing volunteers and doing that kind of thing. So that's, that's sort of the short story. All right. Well, that's, it, it sounds like you've been able to capitalize on some, some natural uh, talents that you have, one being the ability to create organization uh, within a, you know, from a concept. And then also, as evident with your biology degree, you have the inherent ability to be analytical. And yes. I think that those two go very well when you are, once again, starting from a concept or an idea. And right. You are trying to say, okay, you know, here's the big picture. This is the overarching goal. Now let's fill right. in the details of that. How do we measure progress? So I, I could see that being very, you know, just really fitting it to the T there, the strength yeah. that, that, that you have. And, and it's also a matter of understanding. You have to sit back and use discernment in what you do and how you manage all of that. And the one thing I've always spoken about over the years is um, check your emotional content at the door. 
you know, that's that's where things start to go awry. You know, you have to keep your eye on the mission and what you're trying to accomplish in the end. And it's not about how anybody feels on a given day or what are we going to do about this or starting to panic. You know, everybody needs to catch a breath and then just sit with it. Be still. That's always been my advice. Right. And, you know, and then and I, I apply that to my ALS. You know, it's a life lesson. It's really not just a political thing I do. You know, that's that's how I approach everything. Uh, that that kind of goes back to our concept for our podcast, be Roots Radio, that there is there is Barry, and Barry's got many talents, many uh, capacities, and they just don't apply in a professional setting, but also in your daily setting. And with ALS, to me, it's always important to take it one step at a time and to yes. realize that things could always be worse. So, I agree uh, with you a thousand percent, Lenny. Mary, we Absolutely. were just having that conversation yesterday. Absolutely. That, that exact conversation about you were sharing that. Well, you can share it about how um, obviously it's hard and you have your moments. And yet yes. there's so there's also this moment where you think, but it I could have been diagnosed when I was 40. And it, I think right. that was what you were saying yesterday. Yes, and I know so many people. I had a great run of health throughout most of my life. So how can I complain now for my particular situation? I'm not young having it. I'm older. Um, I have lived a very full life, and I am so grateful. And so many people... Um, have had so many challenges all throughout their life if we're just zoning in on health, you know, or that, you know, to stay in our zone. Um, and here we are. I'm, you know, going to be 67, and I, I, I can't complain. I've been so blessed. I have wonderful people in my life. And when the ALS hits me in the gut, you know, the fact of it, I allow myself to get it out, but I give myself 15 minutes and I go, are you done now? Okay, that was fair. We're okay, but keep moving because it can't own us. That's that's right. It's. I, I, it, it's easier said than done, and it may sound trite, but you're right. You go back to a lot of those catchphrases and cliches that 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 do have meaning, and and I I, I think that's wonderful that uh, you do allow yourself those those moments of of yeah. anger, of grief, of self pity, whatever you want to call it. Right. But then screw it. You got to get up. You know. Either stop. You know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And so far. ALS has not killed either one of us, so right. I'm grateful for that. But and, I will say what I will say. What they getting back to the political organization? I, for one, enjoy talking politics, and mm-hmm. I've grown particularly interested over this this cycle of politics that we're in 
now and maybe actually getting out of uh, the cycle that started back in 2015. And although that's not necessarily appropriate for this podcast, but I would love to talk politics with you one day. Oh, and, you you get my number. You call me anytime. <laughs> Your girl. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know I watched the uh, uh, the speaker vote on C-SPAN. Uh, I'm always reading stuff, and you know I, I I'm not going to say I'm a, a political junkie. I'm not quite there yet, but uh, I I like listening to what people have to say to see if it makes me think differently. But also I like I like people to hear what I have to say too. So I, uh, I would love to, so I would I, love to. That's, and that's the other thing, you know, um, have our listening ears on, you know, and, you know, I, I, I'm a person who always agrees to disagree. So my approach is, here's the deal. I'm not going to argue with anybody. I'm not going to debate anybody. But you go do what you're going to do, and I'll go do what I'm going to do, and it's going to come out one way or the other. And then after we're done, we pick up and keep moving. You know, so that's that's my approach to everything. Right. Now, and I think that's a healthy approach. And uh, something that uh, I will have to follow up with you uh as a sidebar to our podcast here, because I look forward to I enjoy, it. enjoy talking about all that. I, I just do it politics. And on that note, Lenny, um, you know, one of the things that Mary, I've learned, you've helped, I mean, you've helped me in a lot of ways, but I think something like politics for, you know, I'm a social worker, I'm, a millennial, I guess they would call, you know, my generation is what they're calling us or, or I guess. Right, right, right. Yeah, I guess right. that's what we are, millennials. Um, I tend to be, uh, I step back from, from a lot of political. I mean, I have my topics that like fire me up, you know. Right. Um, but I tend to shy away from, um I'm intimidated, I think, by a lot of things I've seen, a lot of things I've heard. And so I just sort of like stay in my little zone, kind of, you know, do the things I feel passionate about. But um, I, I really feel like I don't know enough to dive in either way. And and I, but talking to you, being around you, having this, pers- you know, perspective that I feel like I've um, learned from you, it's really helped me debunk some of the things that I have been fed and absorbed about, um, about politics and about, you know, parties and things. And I think that it's refreshing to talk to you and kind of get back to basics about like, what is it that, that, you know, um, that unites us all and this desire for, like you said, like our country and this desire to um, be better and serve our people better. Um, Anyway, it's it's just really helped me like, you know, kind of clarify and not feel as fearful of, of, of the political world and the political sphere. Um, 
and I guess I'm just curious, like, what do you, when, when you are working on, you know, campaigns or advising certain folks, like what is your sort of driving mission with them about how to not get caught up in all the like media right. swirl? Cause that's the part that I get like, Ooh, like kind of cringy. About. Well, <laughs> I always stay away from the chatter. Mm-hmm. I'm a doer rather than getting caught up into all the chatter. Mm-hmm. I, I'm ter- I, I have, I understand what to do with social media, but personally, I do very little of it, whether it's my personal life or political life. Um, I don't get caught into conversations. I am always trying to find a way to actually, once again, let's accomplish the mission. What mission is there in what we're engaging in? And how do we try and have an effect on it without being caught up into all of the chatter and all of it just stirs up, once again, emotional content. You can't look at it that way. You just have to understand, here's point A, here's point B. How do we get there? What's the path? Is it convoluted? Is it a straight line? Is it a curve? What do we have to do? And then let's do it, you know, and hopefully we'll succeed. And we don't always, but that's okay. We pick ourselves up and you know, decide to either keep going or where we can have an effect. So that's that's how I look at it. But, you know, it's it's interesting listening to you talk. And as much as I love politics, I'm very cynical when it comes to our politicians anymore and our parties. And I, I understand it's like any project. You know, what's our objective? What's our scope? What's our schedule? you know, to achieve that objective. And that's the key thing is these days is what 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 are the objectives that our political parties are trying to accomplish? And that's where I get lost. In the well, well, here's what I've pushed back on my entire life. And, you know, so there's there's two parts to, you know, a political party process. One is if you are dealing with a primary, you know, so that's within the structure of the party. And then there's the broader general election. Um, I try to always support candidates who do not express self-interest or think that they are the latest solution to everything. Um, I want someone who understands and agrees, you know, that I can agree with on what the end goal is and then how we walk our way towards it. But, um, you know, if someone is self-interested and there's a primary I'm not working for you, whoever you are. You know, that's not happening. I have to see that they're there. Everything I do 
is for the folks. Because someone like you, Jesse, who's got a family, you've got this particular career, your orientation is not to understand every little thing that goes on in the political strata. So if someone like me, you know, I, I kind of woke up one day and realized I could have an effect, you know, for whatever reason. And I thought, well, let's try to use our powers for good. And it's for people like you that I try to do what I do because you don't have enough time in the structure of your life to know all of the details and who's who and what's what and why are they doing it. You could never figure that out. Um, but I'm in the system enough to know. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to do in terms of candidacies and, you know, what is it we're trying to accomplish with our country and how do we best do that? And, you know, that's based on my vision of what I think our country needs to be and what we need to preserve in our country because we do live in the greatest nation in the world. And once again, thank you, God, another blessing. I thank my grandfather every day for coming here, mm-hmm. you know, and and the creating the foundation for me to be who I've been or do what I've done. I mean, wow, mm-hmm. I'm blessed. I'm blessed in so many ways that that's why I keep elbowing ALS, you know, and thinking I've got to focus on my blessings. And I have been very, very blessed in my life. So that's, that's, that's good to hear. That's a, that's a good feeling for anybody to have and a good, you know, uh, being able to reflect upon that. And I also commend you for maintaining your integrity in, in, in the political process, as we know that all too often integrity is uh, is not necessarily doesn't seem to be front and foremost. But well, let's put it this way, Lenny. I don't owe anybody anything. Right. And I always made sure. I could have been in a much more comfortable position, I'm sure, at certain points. But I never, I made sure I don't owe anybody anything. And that's, you know, to be able to then have my freedom to do what I need to do in the political environment. That's, that's got to be a good feeling. You don't owe anybody it's anything. It's, it's, it's very freeing. Absolutely, absolutely. And I was just going to ask you, like, how, you know, in quieting the chatter and in in how you said, like, if a candidate is self-serving in some ways, like, how do you, like, the word that keeps coming to my head is, like, a BS monitor. Like, how do you, um, how do you 
is that just, you said discern earlier. Is it just a feeling yeah. of like yeah. knowing? Cause like what I, you know, they're going to, a lot of times people just tell you what you want to hear, but in your gut, do you know something's off? But if they're just, well, yeah, I do. I have yeah. a gut for it. Yeah. 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 I have a bullshit meter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and no, really. Yeah, and yeah, I would you know, I, I just pick it up or it's very well-placed questions mm-hmm. that I ask and it depends on the response. Some people are obvious, others not so much, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, you just work your way through it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what, you know, I feel um, when we were talking earlier about, you know, small, your you know, physical petiteness, and yet um, you don't, I think the most impactful people don't have to be loud or don't no. have to take up huge space to make an impact. No. And I, you strike me as, and Lenny, you too, the same way, actually, very like, like a, like calm and centered. And like, it makes sense to me that this, that this role is so perfect for you because I think people, when I just hear political organizer, I think, whoo, stress, like busy. And it, I know from talking it to is. you, it is all of those things. It and is. You're, it's like you're the calm in the storm or something that can like bring people like, I don't know. That's how I picture you in that. Well, no, well, no you have to maintain that. You right. really do. Yeah. And like I said, that's a life lesson, not a political one even. Yeah. Um, with anything, if you are very reactive or you let your emotions take over, that's when everything goes awry. Right. And, you know, you really have to be able to focus and zone in the zone and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And no pun intended, because my walking is not what it should be. We know. Yeah. But, you know, and once again, that's how I'm dealing with ALS. Mm-hmm. And I'm also acknowledging that down the road, when things start getting bad, I'm not going to be happy. You know, but I acknowledge that so that I'm trying to prepare myself as things progress. But meanwhile, damn it, we're going to take care of business, you know. <laughs> Yes, I love it. I love it. So along those lines, turning a little bit more to to ALS and advocacy and your history with it, uh, could you kind of walk us through when you started to develop the symptoms of ALS? You know, I, I, I know myself, I remember the symptoms as if they were yesterday. And oh, I remember yeah. the day that I was diagnosed. And I remembered exactly what I did within an hour and a half or two hours of being diagnosed. And I imagine many of us were the same way. In your case, I think you were working working on a campaign at the time as well. Can you yeah. share us a little? Yeah, the irony was, well, I had had symptoms for quite a while, but I thought it was a gitchy back. And my gait was being affected, you know, but I was managing, you know, it it was just, gee, I wish my back would stop doing this. And, you know, and then I'll never forget. So I had symptoms for quite a long time. 
you know, much smaller symptoms that looking back, now I can trace it back, oh, easily 10 years, maybe a little bit more, but very small, small things. You know, I just figured I'm aging, ache or a pain or a reaction to something. But um, in 2018, I sat down with a congressional candidate who wanted me to be his campaign manager. And the day we sat down was the first day I couldn't walk properly. And I thought, man, my back must be really kicking in. And I remember sitting at a table. We met at someone's house. And I sat at the table in the chair. And I said, don't mind me. I said, I don't know what's wrong with me today. But my back is really giving me problems. And I never walked a normal gait after that day. And I ended up signing on with him. And we had six or seven weeks till a primary. And three weeks in, because my balance was also off. You know, and it was subtle enough but obvious enough at the same time. And um, I ended up breaking my foot. So here I am on a morning till night, traveling hundreds of miles every day in my car with a broken foot and a disrupted gait. And that was just to get to the primary. And then I took it all the way to the general you know, and limped my way through through that campaign. I still, looking back now, knowing I had ALS, you know, our days were very long. I'd start at 8 in the morning. I'd be done 9 o'clock at night, maybe 11, depending if we were at an event at a distance and I had to drive back through the woods in the middle of the night with no GPS, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it, it's it's not a luxurious life by any means, believe me. And, you know, but I just kept pushing through because that's what I did. But literally that day I sat down with that candidate, you know, and he hired me as his campaign manager. That was That was the day that my life was impacted enough that it was impacted, I guess, to, you know. So it was kind of interesting, but I can remember that day like it was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, that, that no doubt you can remember it like yesterday, the fact that things started, the symptoms started very subtle. Yes. And, you know, and, and then it got to the point where, well, they start subtle. Yeah, I know with myself, the guy that I worked out with, you know, we used to call it old man stuff, although we did say stuff. Right, right. And right. I just thought it was that, you know, I was getting a little clubsier, you know, I was out of breath yeah. the board, played softball. I was falling down. I just thought I'd just be club. Yes. Yeah. I would I would fall. I I'd go to sit in a chair and I wouldn't quite make it. And I didn't understand why my hips weren't taking me all the way to the chair. You know, it was that kind of situation. 
Right. You know, yet Lenny, you, yep, exactly. You know, it's, uh, you know, thinking back, it's, it, it's so obvious as you stated, but at the time, like, eh, you know, it was just, it's just something, you know, you go to the doctor, the doctor does everything under the sun and nothing comes up and then it's ALS because basically they've ruled everything else out. Um, right. But, you know, that's, that's something we, we, all of us here have to deal with at some point. And Correct. It, 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 it's interesting to see that the manifestation of ALS to the point of uh, affecting your quality of life occurred during the campaign of 2018. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah. how... How has it impacted your life moving forward within your, your same, you know, being, being what you are, a political, aver- uh, 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 political organizer, and also, you know, how it affects your ability to advocate for um, purposes and objectives that, that you feel strongly about? Well, um, I still, thank you, God, have a voice. Um, and I have a phone and I have a computer and I have a tablet. And so anything I do, I can't do field work, obviously, anymore, um, which is disappointing because I've had some good offers. And it took me a while to let it seep into the political community, what I had, Um you know, but on the other hand, I um, excuse me. On the other hand, um, you know, I still advise. I you know consult, advise. I still organize as long as I can communicate. I can still do quite a bit, but I wouldn't ever um, not. I would never work in the field with a candidate again because it would be doing them a disservice. I had a great offer to run a statewide campaign and I couldn't take it. Um, And I would love to have taken that on. But, you know, obviously that's not happening. But we've done other deeds. Am I right, Jesse? Sure have. This is yeah. You want to share with share with everybody kind of where your, um, where where the passion has sort of, you know, led you led led you now. Where are we now? What are we working on? What are you working on? Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, just your fan girl. I'm your fan girl. Oh no, I'm your hype girl Never in the background. Going like yeah, man. no, you're a friend. <laughs> That's different. You're a, you're a good friend, and I'm so grateful for you. And I tell people that all the time. I said, I don't know how we get through without people like Jesse. I just don't. Because that is so important to the support that we are getting. Critical. And cannot be grateful enough. You know, but, um, you know, I, I told everyone, I said, look, if there's something I can do... Because I'm known around the state by ex, I'm very networked around the state. 
And I've been around so long. That's why I'm an old campaign broad. Um, you know, um, that I know a lot of the legislators in Harrisburg. And I am poking them however I can for the benefit of ALS. And the response has been very good. Because for us to affect a change out there, um, you know, I know we worked, you know, on the budget and, you know, helping the ALS Association get more money for the cause. And that was great. But, you know, what we're doing moving forward, I hope, is having an effect on the systems that we have to go through as patients. And, um, you know, that to me is even bigger because the funding part was almost easy. You know, you can make a case and they'll get it and the budget's right in front of them. Mm -hmm. But the systemic changes that we're trying to do are much, much harder um, because you have to sort of get the cream to rise to the top to even be noticed. So I do have a lot of legislators who know me. Some of them were interns for me, which is so cute. Um, <laughs> They're the ones who called you Mother Mary, right? Correct. Yeah, there's yeah the young politicos, the ones that work on campaigns, staffers, that kind of thing. That's what they call me. Yeah. Uh, which means I am definitely a pain at times. And other, I told them, I'll apologize now. I'll apologize at the end. But damn it, we're going to get this done. Yeah. You know, and I am your mother. So I will correct you if I need to. <laughs> You know, but always feel the love. And I also worked side by side with them. I wasn't sitting in a remote office barking orders. We were together for everything. I was right there with them. So, but anyway, I digressed. Um, so the systemic changes that we're trying to make to make things like the waiver process easier. Um, what happens is, so you have legislators and the budget was easy because everybody had to look at it, but now they have a desk with 40 different things on it. And now we have to somehow call attention to one thing out of 40 that's sitting there. And how are they going to spend their time? And once again, there's a lot of chatter in, you know, government. We got to do this. We got to do that. This is important. No, this is more important, you know. So we have to somehow get noticed, get noticed by enough of them. And then we have to somehow get people to spearhead that effort in government to make it to even start the process just doing that alone and after that's done if we get that far now you're dealing with multiple entities so even a simple system change is going to affect two or three entities around it you know let's say we just wanted to affect 
one change in one entity that we have to deal with. So now that is going to be affected systemically in two other entities. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So for listeners you might not be familiar with um, here in Pennsylvania, there is a state run program that is sometimes referred to as the waiver program. Um, and it's in conjunction with the local area on aging office and um, an independent broker out in Harrisburg that these two sort of arms that work together to, in theory, help folks have access to um, home health aids, care and coverage to help older adults. It's the term that they use remain independent in their homes as long as possible. Um, it's in theory, a great plan. In reality, there are so many hoops and hurdles for our families to access this program. Um, very, very strict financial guidelines. Um, a lot of folks don't qualify for care through the waiver. Um, or if they do, it can take months and months at best a year sometimes to even get get access to that care, which is too long. It's too long for yeah. our families. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of work um, and a lot of attention that needs to be called to it. And Lenny, do you, or Mary, do you want to share sort of what you're working on now with um, getting the, how to get the word out there? In regard to which thing? I'll oh, work. with Claire, with like, with, um, oh, with you Claire. know, yeah, yeah. No. Somehow, ironically, I ended up being contacted by a Wall Street Journal reporter um, who talked to me about health care, uh, home care. I, um, I, I'm on an options program in my county, okay, which is yet another program for which I am extremely grateful um, the problem was they approved me for 15 hours a week of, you know, home home care. And for, and for three months. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Sorry for listeners. The, the home health care is not a, is not paid for by insurances. So it is right. something that is an out of pocket cost for our for, right. for anybody. Um, the exception to that would be if somebody had a long term care insurance plan, which most people do not. Um, and having help come in is very expensive. It's, it's out of pocket. It can be, you know, $32 an hour, um, and upwards of that. So, um, that's why these programs are so important and necessary because when something like ILS or, or, uh, you know, another similar, you know, disease process kicks in and you can't be alone safely, you need, you need people. You need bodies. Barry, what county is that? Um, I'm in Northampton County. Okay. And the problem is there are 67 counties. So um, this is funded through COVID money. So it may not, I believe Philadelphia has it, um, but not every county you know, and and that's another part of systemic change. Let's say we do something, make a difference. 
you know, even in the broader statewide structures, now it goes down into 67 counties, and they have to get their IT people and address it, and they're all run each in their own way. And, you know, so any small change that we want to try to make has to go through a labyrinth to get there. But my county is Northampton, and I am certainly grateful. But I have to tell you, the first three months, there was nothing. And that's when the ALS Association helped me so much because I had nothing. Yeah. So that's the, the that, and then the, all of this really was the birth of, of the in-home care grant program, which is, you know, our, the chapter has always um, made it a priority to help families if we can financially. And that's what a lot of that increase in the budget, that's where it helps. It allows us to, Oh yeah. Know, it allows us to, create a program where we can help reimburse families for care um, because we know it's, it's, it's just astronomical what the cost is. Um, I, I couldn't, I don't know what I would have done without it for sure. Yeah, it is. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Barry. No, I said I couldn't have done without it. And I, I don't know what I would have done. It it's, life-saving for me it is very it, it, it is life-saving i mean i'm fortunate i have a wife who's a great caregiver but and i've talked to jesse about this many times yeah the caregiver needs a break yes and that's where you know developing a network of caregivers um really helps and it's it's very tough to get folks that are really committed to being a caregiver that you can depend upon. Because, you know, yes. it's, a, it's somewhat of a thankless job if, if that's all you're in for, is it? But, uh, yes, trying to navigate the bureaucracy, I commend you, Mary, for putting your efforts into effect a change at the systemic level as opposed to um, just getting the money, uh, putting the money aside because for something like ALS or MS or any of these other diseases that are just as horrific as ALS, yes, you're never going to find, I mean, I, I challenge you to find somebody that isn't going to be advocate for a cure. But once that money is there, how do you unlock, how, how, do, the, how do people unlock that money? And you know, and how is the money used efficiently and, and so forth. So I certainly commend you on your efforts in addressing this, trying to address it from a systemic approach as opposed to getting the funding and then walk. And the easiest thing in the world to do is to write a check. Yeah. The hardest thing is to write a check and then stick around and figure out what to do with it and make sure the right thing gets done. Correct. So I and commend you, know, you for that. Lenny, I... I really appreciate you saying um, saying that about other diseases because what I keep thinking about um, is there's no one-way liberation, right? So if, if we can help bring this cause forward, 
it's not just for, you know, it's not just going to unlock and open doors for people right. with ALS, you know, um, right. in some ways I feel, um, you know, prior to coming to the ALS association, I was at neurology where, you know, we saw all the, all everything and, um, you know, the, 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 the core issues are the same. The hurdles are the same. And, um, you know, I think the urgency with ALS is the timeline is shorter. We don't have, we cannot wait you know, where some folks it might take a little bit longer with other diseases to, for things to happen. But, but you know, every effort, every phone call, every, you know, poking of the people you know, you know, up in, you know, the legislative world does, yeah. will help unlock and <clears throat> open doors for, um, for other folks living with debilitating and other caregivers needing support, you know, with, with, you know, not just ALS, but really a whole, um, you know, anything. And, and what I keep thinking about is in, in how to effectively make changes, how, you know, I often think it's like, until you know somebody who has ALS, it just seems like this, Ooh, that's, you know, this sort of thing that's kind of off there. And like, you know, you've heard stories about it, you, but it's like, until you've, met somebody and truly um, witnessed the impact it has on their world. Um, I just feel like it feels, it feels distant and until it feels close. And what I feel like people need to know is like, if this was your loved one, you know, if this was your caregiver, um, you'd be, screaming from the rooftops trying to make change, you know? And so how can we like share that message? And I think that's what you've, you, I I agree with you, Lenny. I really commend you, Mary, for not only like, we're not just going to accept the money. We need, we need more, we need more change, not just for us, but for the whole, you know, community. Well, you know, at the the end of the day, um, I don't know if I'll articulate this well enough, but you know, whenever I ask anybody to support us, you know, I rec- I right off the bat, I recognize that there are so many worthwhile charities right. to support. You know, I would like you to consider supporting, you know, this one or that one, ALS. And you don't realize it, but that support may eventually help you or your family member. Right now it doesn't, but... It really could. I mean, you know, the odds of somebody having ALS are pretty slim, you know. I mean, our club is pretty small. But nonetheless, there is a club out there. You know, there's that that I go back to. is Five in a five in hundred thousand people have ALS. Um, and by supporting not only ALS, but, you know, MS or Parkinson's or something like that, you are potentially supporting yourself or your family down the road because there's a chance you're going to have a neurological disease or something else. And I know we only have so much resources to draw upon, but that's something that uh, I I frankly wish I had paid more attention to ALS before I had it because in some ways I feel like a hypocrite asking people to support our cause because there's a selfish motive here, but yeah, that I, I, I dismiss that, but I'm trying to be more proactive even with where I said, you know, whatever money I submit to charity, 
you know, whether it's smile trade or whether it, you know, uh, uh, feed children or, or, or Shriners hospital, anything like that. I try, you know, it, 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 people need to be proactive because you never know someday you may be right. faced with what you just contributed to and the relief that you're getting is due to the benefits that were derived from donations that you made at one time or another. It's so true. And, you know, you just put a light bulb off in my head, Jesse. Call me after the podcast. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have a thought. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Lenny. You take that. You t- yeah. Ding, yeah. Ding. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, you, you just gave me a thought. But it's true. Um, we did a flow chart of the waiver process. Because it's very confusing and for people who are just stepping into it, you know, we did a visual that was for legislators to call attention to it, but also for families. But that chart can be applied for anybody with a very serious illness, you know, um, that needs care. And it's the greater good in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is. And, you know, to have that tool hopefully will help a more broader group than even our ALS community. Mm-hmm. Well, and something I've always really respected, Mary, about about your advocacy is you've always said, like, you know, I, I'm a with it gal, you know, like I can, I, I can understand. Yeah. I can advocate. Like I can for see, myself. Yeah. Right. I, you can be on the phone for a couple hours, even though, you know, it's, it's fatiguing, but to like get answers for why a caregiver hasn't shown up or, you know, try to be on the phone with the waiver, you know, but like, what about the people who can't, you know, what about the people who exactly. don't have speech or who don't have um and so i really find a lot of inspiration in the um you know yes this is this is important for all of us and 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 we have to advocate for the folks who um you know don't have the experience that you do do yeah yeah no you know they don't have that spouse you know um they're feeble, whether it's physically or otherwise. How how would they ever manage all of this? Mm-hmm. There's no way. And who is there for them? Mm-hmm. So if we can make anything better, yeah, absolutely. That's that's so important. And Mayor, I would just want to share one little story too. Yes, so she shared that the she's working on this Wall Street Journal article and yesterday the photographer came out to take pictures of Mary and and her caregiver that um Jessica who's fantastic um yeah. you know and you know to have pictures to go along with the article and um you said you're talking to the photographer and you said trust me like this isn't something that I I love doing you know like no. Like having myself photographed in this state, having ALS, 
you know, you're vulnerable. You're not, you know, you're, you're, right. you're not feeling it's not like you're like, yeah, photograph me on the cover of the Wall Street Journal. Like you're like, yeah, trust yeah, me, this is not the face that I, you know, am super pumped to like put out there. And yet I know it's so important. And like, and I just find that so um, at the core of who you are is, you know, if you are going to make change in this world because it's who you are, despite some discomfort, you know? Yeah. Yeah. These ain't beauty shots, let me tell you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, that's another layer to this. Like, truthfully, like, yeah. Lenny and we, Lenny and I have sort of chatted about this, too, about, like, you know, you guys, the independence that ALS takes from, from Paul oh, yeah. is... Yeah, is I, I mean, there's so many layers to it, but I feel like yeah. um, having to ask to have somebody help you go to the bathroom in your most intimate space, like, right? you know, these are not things that are just easy. And, um, and so there's, there's always more um, underneath the surface. And I just feel very privileged and grateful that, you know, you both of you continue to share your experience, even though it is uncomfortable and it's something you've had to kind of work through because it, it's good. It helps. It does. I know it helps folks hearing that somebody else is going through this. Somebody else is having a hard time asking for help and, um, you know, sucks, hates it, you know, but knows yeah. she needs it. You know, something I just, it's, it's a beautiful yeah. thing to, to watch. Well, one thing I just want to say about that, too. I think the way you have to approach it is when you are humbled to have somebody help you with very intimate, difficult things. Mm -hmm. um, it truly is an exchange of love. Not only them taking care of you and giving you, but you accepting it with grace because it's, it's a two way street. You are expressing love into the universe when you go, thank you. I do need the help mm -hmm. and allowing it and being able to live with it in your head. It's not easy, but if you look at it as, an exchange of love, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's somebody who's a spouse or a sister or a brother, or even a paid caregiver, mm -hmm. they have to have some love in them to do the job. Mm -hmm. And it truly is an expression of love between you mm -hmm. to give it, but yet to accept it as well. Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to do. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that's, you know, that's, I think we have to sort of adjust how we look at things, mm -hmm. in other words, and put it into a good, proper place of where it should be, mm -hmm. no matter how hard it is on either end, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 Well, Mary, we're coming up on an hour here, if that passes. 
Oh, sure. What the heck happened? That conversation went fast. Right. (laughs) So I think we should probably wrap it up here. But I just wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. And I very much enjoyed our conversation. And I hope that uh, I could uh, develop uh, more relationship with you as we as we both move forward. I look forward to that. Believe me. That's great. Maybe I will send you a, if I can get your address, I'll ask my wife to drop a box of cookies in the mail for you. (laughs) (laughs) Always welcome. I also had major surgery and I lost a lot of weight and I'm trying to eat everything in sight, not only to gain weight, but while I can, you know, I'm trying to take advantage every way I can. So. Well, I'll, I'll definitely do that. I'll ask Marta to do uh, I love I'll it. just need to get your address and we'll make it happen. If not that, maybe we'll figure something out. Sounds good, Lenny. And I, I've been very grateful to meet you through this process and for us to share with each other. And there's one thing in the end, no doubt. We all love Jesse and appreciate her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys, Mary. This is awesome. This is so great. Yeah, I feel like I don't know what happened. This hour flew by. Um yes, maybe we'll did. have to do a part a part two. Um but yeah, it was so nice to spend time with you and we're just Same so grateful here. for your your stories and your laughter and your advocacy and uh We can't wait to see what's next. That's right. And as long as we can, keep smiling, whether it's on the outside or the inside. Just keep doing it. Yep. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you. Episode episode nine. Check. Check. Bye, Mary. Have a good night. (laughs) Thank you, Lenny. You too. Bye, guys. Bye. Okay, Lenny. Wow. Episode nine with Mary. Woo. You learned a lot. I'm doing good. How are you feeling? I uh, appreciate our conversation with Mary. Uh, As I mentioned, I do like politics. I like talking and seeing how things are, are done. And as I think we concluded, it's easy to raise money. It sounds very trite. It's then trying to figure out what is a fair and equitable way to distribute the money to be efficient and to achieve the ultimate objective, which is to improve one's quality of life. So, like I said, writing Mm -hmm. a check is pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Now, tell me what you're going to do with that money Mm -hmm. or have it be stick around to help you figure it out. That's where, you know labor comes in and labor is so much more so much more expensive than that dollar mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and I think uh, having Mary's sort of you know perspective of all those years you know being in in, in politics and um, you know it's almost like all of her experiences sort of led her to this place to kind of have this be her, her, her passion project, you know? Um, and it's, I, I think it's, gosh, talk about, like you said earlier, the, 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 
the name of the show and why it is what it is, is that like ALS can't take that fire away from her. You know, it can't take that away from her as it can't from you. And, um, what a, what a, what a life, you know, it's, it. I, I just feel very grateful. We got to chat with her and, uh, laugh with her too. Cause she's a, she's a spark no, plug. No, she's a spark plug. Glad, <laughs> uh, I'm glad our, our paths have crossed it. I've mentioned to you several times that albeit, you know, I mean, the truth of the matter is I would not trade my pre ALS life for where I am now, but since I've had ALS, I've been very fortunate to meet a whole lot of people, uh, not through this podcast, but just through people that mm-hmm. are willing to support, help, and have taken an interest. So that's that's always a, a silver lining that I look for. And I think that Mary has also found that silver lining, uh, at least for the time being. And so that's that's good. It was a very good conversation. I appreciated her. All right. Stay tuned. Great to chat with you, my friend. Talk to you later. Bye.